Quick quiz for those who were here last week. When you... That's one. When you pray, when you give, when you fast, one more, and when you forgive. Now, it would absolutely seem unfair that God would command those things for us in our lives unless he was giving us the power and enabling through the Holy Spirit to see those things done. Would that not be true? That is absolutely true. And so here's what we know. Anytime God gives us something to do, he has already provided for us. In fact, excuse me, uh, Peter talks about it when he says that God has given us everything for life and godliness. So we're not missing anything. So when we hear that and when we read the scripture as we are in Matthew 6, we'll go back to that in a moment. But when we hear all that and then we look around us, we're not really seeing that. And so that means there's a, a disconnect. And remember the list we've been working on? These 10, it's a progression. And it's not, and this is not 100% ironclad. This is the way it always works. But it seems like if someone comes to know Christ and they get started and they're, they're involved in that, they get to a place where in number six, there's this holy disconnect, a holy discontent, which is a holy disconnect. And people begin to pull back and pull away. And I'm wondering if a lot of that isn't the fact that we don't understand the empowering, the enabling of God to us, for us, through the Holy Spirit. And maybe it's the next two that's up there, that's what we're going to talk about this morning, is brokenness, surrender, and submission. Here's what I can promise you. When you find someone who has gone through brokenness, and they have realized that all that process was God building their character, then you recognize something different about that person. Remember the disciples when they were arrested and they were on trial? And it was said, wait a minute, these are unlearned men. Or these men have not gone through the same kind of training, theological training, or even any type of educational process like we have, that being the religious leaders, And so what they did was they said, but these men had been with, they've been with Jesus. And the thing they didn't say was that these men had been with Jesus and they were there for the outpouring and the giving of the Holy Spirit. It is not based upon my educational status. It's not based upon my economics. It's not even based on how pretty I am. It's all about the relationship that we have with God in Christ by the Holy Spirit. So with that in mind, and moving toward brokenness and surrender today as part of the message, I want us to go back to Matthew chapter 6. I didn't get it finished last week, so let's see if we can get to it this week. He talks about the things we've already spoken of. And then he says, this is how 
your life should be. Now think about that for a moment. Here's Christ. Remember the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5, 6, and 7. If you haven't read that, please do so. And continue to read it over and over because there's, it's just nugget after nugget of truth and revelation the Holy Spirit will give. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and vermin destroy and where thieves can break in and steal. So he's talking about when you give, when you pray, when you forgive, when you fast. And then it's like he almost switches gears. But what he's saying is, All I've been asking you to do through this whole thing is allow the Holy Spirit to work in your life so that you can then move into the life and experience that God has for every one of his kids. This is not just for a few. This is for everyone. So if you're one of his kids, this is for you. Do not store for yourself treasures on earth. We live in a time in a very materialistic society. Can I get amen? And Jesus is saying, let me go back. What's your heart? Is it the heart of Christ? Or is it the heart of the world? Or is really the question. But store for yourselves treasures in heaven where moth and vermin do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there is what? Your heart. And that's the real motivator. But here's, here's the kicker. Most of us, we may, even though we may not be able to do it, most of us know how to store up treasures on earth. You know, put it in the bank, put it in savings, invest it, whatever. Property, you know, we know something about that, but it's rare that people understand what it means to invest in the kingdom of God or invest in heaven. So let me give you a little peek. This past Thursday, we had our open house for our Carolina College of Theology. We hold classes here on Thursday evening for that school. And one of the students that's registering, new student registering for this year, just as we're starting the open house, he says, my mother, now this guy's probably, he's probably late 30s, around 40, somewhere. He said, my mother says, I know you. I said, your mother says you know me? <laughs> he goes, yeah. He said, are you guys, now listen to this for those, for, the, for all those old timers in the room. Aren't you guys the ones who used to have your house, your house, your church down on Saluda Street? Where the holy place meets now? I said, yeah, that's us. He said, I went to vacation Bible school there every year. And here he is now preparing for ministry all these years later. See, that's the kind of stuff that you can't always know. One of my favorite stories, you guys know I'm military. and We were in Guantanamo Bay, Cuba. A sonarman was there with us and he just, the Holy Spirit lit him up and he came to know Christ and man, he was soaring in our Bible studies and we were all growing like crazy. It was amazing. It was wonderful. And we come back to Charleston. That was our home port. And the closer we got to Charleston, the more depressed he became. I'm thinking this guy's a new Christian. He's studying. He's doing well. Why is he getting that way? And he goes, well, you don't understand 
my best friend, my best friend that I grew up with, went to school with, enlisted with, went through A school, C school together in the military. The only time we've been separated is when I got orders to this ship and he got orders to his ship. I said, okay. He goes, no, no, you don't understand. He's been in the Mediterranean. We're getting back from Cuba and he's getting back from the Mediterranean on the exact same day. I said, I'm I'm still trying to get, what are you talking about? He goes, no, no, you don't understand. He is not a believer. How do I tell this guy who's been in my life all my life that I have come to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ? I said, I have a suggestion. What's that? Tell him. (laughs) You know, it's not rocket science. So I'm on the forecastle part of the ship where I can see the pier working. And I see him go down the pier headed for his friendship. And he goes down. Now remember, this is the guy who accepted Christ in Cuba some years before. And a little bit, an hour or so later, I see him coming back up the pier. And he's got a skip in his step. And he comes right up to where I am. He goes, you will not believe this. Try me. Now, you understand, I'm a new Christian too, so I'm learning a lot of things in God and how God works. He goes, and both of these guys are really smart guys. This guy was, and his friend was too. He said, we figured it out. I said, okay. He said, we figured it out that when I was in Guantanamo Bay, Cuba, accepting Christ, he was in the Mediterranean accepting Christ at exactly the same minute in time. He goes, my friend is now a believer. See, that's investing in the kingdom. But it gets better than that. I'd been here at this church for a few years. I went to Columbia Bible College one day for a pastor's thing that we're having. And we have a break. And while I'm fixing my coffee, somebody walks up and grabs my elbow. And I turn around, this guy says, you don't remember me, do you? I said, of course I do. You're Randy Norquist. You accepted Christ in Guantanamo Bay, Cuba. He goes, and now I'm here preparing for the ministry. Now, everybody that you touch doesn't end up in ministry. That's not my point. But the point is, when we're investing in people, like those of you who put in all those hours for Vacation Bible School years ago, and you do it now, Vacation Bible Fun, we've changed the name, make it more exciting. But you never know how that's going to come back. Those are incredible investments that pay, pay dividends like you would not believe. And Here's the big one. When you invest in your marriage, when you invest in your children and your grandchildren, that's when you get to see the huge returns. It is amazing. And that's what Jesus is talking about. He says, when you have your priorities right, he's not saying, and we'll get into this more as we go along, he's not saying live as poor as you can and that's not what he's saying when he's talking about treasures he's saying have your priorities right have your life right have your life structured as it should be for where your treasure is there's where your heart is and that's why your life will be the glory that it is because he says the eye is the lamp of the body if your eyes are healthy now wait a minute i wear glasses which implies, and which is true, I have a vision issue. When I take these off, 
You guys look nice and blurry. When I put them on, oh, you're crystal clear. So does that mean that those of us who have to wear glasses, is that what he's talking about? Absolutely not. He's talking about the fact that what is our focus? If our focus is on everything about this world and getting it and getting it and getting it and just, you know, our, is our focus on him and the things that are important to him, which creates a reality that is his for us in our life. Because he says, if your eyes are healthy, see, I have my physical eyes are impaired, but my spiritual eyes are healthy. Your whole body will be full of light. Now, that's important. And here's why it's important. The enemy, you, I said, we're not going to give him a lot of credit, but we're going we're to acknowledge him. The enemy loves to work in darkness. Ever noticed at night how your thoughts tend to go in the direction they maybe ought not go? In darkness. Have you ever, ever noticed a lot of the stuff that you've done through the years that you really wouldn't want everybody to know has been done in darkness? So when the eye is the lamp of the body and your eyes are healthy, your body will be full of light, meaning you can really see what's going on down inside of here. And that's important. Because those critters, as we call them, as they attach themselves to the habits and addictions of the flesh, then they will reveal themselves in darkness. But when we are shining the light in, they hate light. They hate light. I'll never forget this. this little kid was taking a science test. And the, the question on the science exam was, or test was, what is faster than the speed of light? And a little kid responded, darkness getting out of the way. <laughs> when we have light, the darkness. But if your eyes are unhealthy, again, he's not talking about those of us who have impaired vision physically but when your eyes are unhealthy your whole body we full of darkness because you can't see well and you let things go on and on and see this is one of those areas where we want to be real careful but we want to also be diligent one of the ministries of the holy spirit gifting is prophetic meaning that we can see things that aren't necessarily in the physical we have to be careful about that because it, be, it can become judgmental and critical and accusational, and, and that's not our point. But in the body of Christ, when the light is shining in that body as it is in this body, it is not uncommon for somebody to recognize something in your life. Now, if they're mature like they should be, if they're going to exercise that gift, they can approach you in such a loving way. I'll never forget we're doing exercise years ago in Vine Institute, and one of our students we're getting ready to do an exercise on how to go to a person and do prophetic stuff. And one of our students was very prophetic. And so she came to me and, and she, she says, the person you partnered with me, I can already see the stuff that she's dealing with. And I don't know exactly how to approach her. I said, well, do this. Ask God to give you the end that he wants you to have with this person. And we would just separate in the building and find places to minister and do ministry, prophetic ministry. And she came back later and she said, 
It was amazing. She said, the moment we got together, we took hands and started praying. The woman started confessing the stuff that was in her life and what she was going through and how she needed help. See, that's what we're talking about here. We're not just talking about each of us individually. We're talking about us as a body, a collective body. But again, being cautious with that because it can. If you're not careful, if you're a little immature, you can mess it up. If then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? Now see, he started out with do this, do this, do this, do this. And now how, watch how he's come back around. No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will de- be devoted to one and you will despise the other. Now, what's he talking about? Think, just think about it. Here we go. You cannot serve both God and money. So my question to all of us here today is this. Which one is your God? As you said here today, which one is your God? Is it God or is it money? The question is, what motivates you? What gets you up in the morning? What gets you out? What gets you going? What floats your boat, as it were? Is it God? And please understand, there is nothing wrong with money. That's not the issue. He is simply saying, if that's first for you, then you will not serve me because you will choose not just what money is, but what money can buy if you don't have me as first in your life. (laughs) Because the thing about money is, what is it going to provide? Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life. Now, is Jesus saying, be frivolous and careless in life? No, he's not. But he's still talking about what is your number one priority? What you will eat or drink or about your body, what you will wear. How many of you took a lot of time this morning figuring out what you're going to wear? Don't raise your hand. I'm just curious. How many of you took a lot of time? Oh, that's not right. That's not right. Oh, I look too fat. You know. Is not your life more than food and the body more than clothing? Now, again, yes, we should eat. And yes, it should be nutritional. And yes, we don't need all the sugar that we consume in our world today. My clothing doesn't have to come from some store that charges an exorbitant fee. If I want to do that, that's fine. That's personal choice. But it comes down to, again, he's asking the question over and over in this message he's giving. And notice he's not giving people time to answer. He's just saying, here it is, here it is, here it is, here it is. And at the end, he's going to say, now what are you going to do with it? Which is what we're doing today. Now, take care of your body. I'm going back to the Navy again. We're in boot camp, Great Lakes, Chicago. We'd been there about a week and a half, maybe two weeks. And down on our end of the barracks, we began to smell this odor. Now, you have to realize this was in the middle of winter. It was below zero most of the time. 
kept getting this aroma that wasn't pleasant down on our end. And sadly, there's another guy named Bishop there. He's from New York City, and I'm from Ohio. And we start sniffing it out. Because we're not going to live in that barracks with us. Oh, and we worked our way down a little bit, and we found it. Some guy from New Jersey. If you're from New Jersey, don't raise your hand. And everybody from New Jersey is not like this. But we realized this guy has not taken a bath since he arrived. So my point is, take a bath. Don't come in here stinking. Now, obviously, we work, we sweat, we smell. That's part of the life. But, you know, clean it up. And dress, you know, dress decent. I, I, I love this about, you know, when you read Jesus and the Apostle Paul. Now, Jesus had a really nice robe that somebody made for him. But the Apostle Paul, when he would write to his followers and he would say, Now, when you come, bring my bick, bring, bring my bicks, <laughs> bring my books and bring my coat. But he was wearing pretty much the same stuff every day. You know, years ago, and uh, Bill Lindsay is not here. Bill is one of our leaders uh, at that time, one of our deacons. And we, we would go through the cycle. And we finally got to it where, you know, we were, when I first came here, man, it was coats and ties. And you didn't dare come without a coat and tie. Because you would be looked down upon. Because you weren't dressed up in your Sunday best. And then we got really smart. We said, you know, it's really hot around here. Uh, we're in the southeast. Why do we have to wear those coats and ties in the summertime? And we said, well, there's this unwritten code rule somewhere. We, we got to do that. And we said, well, let's don't do it for a while. So we, we took a summer off, and all the guys went, that's pretty cool. And then winter came back. We put them back on. And we did that for a couple of years. And Billy came to me one time, and he says, why the heck we keep putting these ties and coats back on? It's not any more comfortable than it ever was. I said, you're right, Billy. And we just made a decision. That's why you guys can come in here. You just don't know. And, and ladies with your pants, you just don't know. You couldn't come and not wear a dress back in the day. And, and so our little kids, little kids came and they said, you know, you guys are not wearing your coats and ties in the, in the summer and we're really hot. And can we wear our shorts? I said, sure. Oh, I'm sorry. Back up. I missed a step. The little old ladies came first and said, in the wintertime, in our old building, when you open the front door, all the air would come under the pew. And we don't wear pants, and so our legs get cold. So in the winter, can we wear pants? You know, we're, we're, we're experimenting with all this stuff. I know you guys are sitting here going, really? You went through that? Listen, you weren't even around for the day we, we elected to move from a typewriter to a computer. Man, that was like, are you kidding me? World War Three all over. Or again, or coming, or whatever. And so, and then the kids came about the shorts, and I said, well, they said the little old ladies are wearing their pants in the winter. Can't we wear our shorts? Sure you can. So see, it's not about the clothing, is it? We make things so important that aren't to be made that important. Should we dress decently and modestly? Yes. Should we take care of our bodies and make sure we don't stink? Yes. Should we feed ourselves so that we are healthy? Yes. All those are yes, yes, yes. But they're not the ultimate of why we live. He says, look out the window. Look at the birds. They don't sow or reap. They don't even have barns to put up stuff for the winter. And your heavenly father feeds them. Now, what is he saying? He's saying, when your life is as it should be, and you're believing and trusting me, and this is where he's going with this whole thing. 
When you're believing and trusting me, Father God, your heavenly Father who feeds the birds, you're more valuable than they are. Can any one of you, here's where we're getting to now, can any one of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? And the answer to that is no. I'll tell you what I think you can do. You can take some off (laughs) by worrying. I really do. I know God has an appointed time for us, but sometimes I think we're the ones that kind of circumvent that and make it shorter. So again, all he's doing here is he's helping us see, at least make a mental transition from this is how we tend to live and typically live in the world. And he's saying, but if you're going to live as I am living and honor Father as I am honoring Father and do so by the power and person of the Holy Spirit, then I'm letting you in on some things that are important in that process. And why do you worry about your clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow? They do not labor, they do not spend, yet I tell you that even Solomon in all his splendor was, was dressed like one of these. God takes care of his own. Again, should I work and provide for my family? Of course we are supposed to do that. That's in the scripture as well. That's why I'm trying to help keep it all in context as we move through this. But he's moving us to this place where... If that's how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today, tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you? And here's the kicker. Ye are you of little faith. Every time I read the scripture and I encounter that phrase, it absolutely pierces my heart. Because it also says, the scripture says, when Jesus does come back, and we know that coming is more um, relevant today than it has been any time in the past, in the future, in the past, will he find faith? And who are the ones? Remember, Jesus, it tells us in Hebrews, he is the author and perfecter of our faith. And so he's, he's helping us in the scripture by the Holy Spirit make this transition so we can get to the place of living a life as he did where we are truly in faith in Father God. Our faith is not in our faith. Our faith is in him as the songs we sang this morning, which were perfect selections, if you notice, of how this life is to be lived for his glory, for his honor, for his praise. And it's the life of faith where we're trusting him. So do not worry, saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? For the pagans, who are the pagans? Yeah, those who do not know Christ, they're the pagans. What do they do? They run after these things. But your heavenly father, remember you said, we said, he is our heavenly father. So your father knows what you need. He's not going to let us down. Now, again, if you're, a, if you're just lazy and you want to lay around on the couch, yeah, you might have some little disappointment because part of the scripture is you work and because you work, you eat. Now, here's something, this verse I have memorized since almost day one of my salvation. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things we've added are given to you, depending on the translation you memorized. Do you know the context of this? 
is not a theoretical, happy, happy possibility. The context of the original language is literally saying, I command you, seek first his kingdom. So, think about it like this. If I am not seeking his kingdom first, then am I in his will or out of his will? Out of his will, if I'm not. Exactly. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow. James says, life is like a vapor. Here today, gone tomorrow. We don't know how it's going to be. For tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Now, we took this little movement into Matthew 6 to kind of help us understand that process that we talked about at the very beginning and we have every week over the last few weeks to get to the place where we are in this relationship with Father God because of Jesus Christ giving his life and by the power of the Holy Spirit being exercised in our life. But here's the thing that's the kicker. God wants us to be those who live by faith, who are not living in anxiety and living in worry And so what he has to do is build character into our lives. And this is one of the methods of doing that. I want you to know Christ. I want to know Christ, Paul says in Philippians 3.10. Yes, to know the power of his resurrection. And I also want to participate in his suffering. And be like him in his death. So I'm dying to self. I'm going through the things that God has allowed me to go through or is allowing me to go through to build the character that will be a testimony and a witness to those who view my life as one who is in him. Now think about that just for a moment. Because we have to ask ourselves the question, what brings brokenness? Sometimes it's circumstances, is it not? Circumstances beyond our control. It can be health issues. It can be financial issues. It can be relational issues. Those things that knock us off our feet, so to speak. And God will use them. The only only common denominator here is how we're going to respond to them, either in worry, anxiety, or in submission to God and learn what he wants us to learn in the process. Or it can be just the Holy Spirit of God breaking us down so we can live out the life that he has for us. And I can give you very specific times in my life where God was so impressing upon me, the Holy Spirit was working so deeply that he would break me and I would literally just be in tears, moaning and weeping before God. He's saying, oh, sign me up for that. Yeah, I know. Yeah, I didn't used to cry either, but God showed me I can. It's still, and I can still be a man about that. But in those times where he was just breaking stuff off my life that needed to be gone. And, and it just amazes me because I'm thinking, yeah, I'm, I'm a few years older, but how did I get all that junk in there? You know, that he has to take so much time in his loving, caring way to bring it out because he wants to build a character in my life that will be a witness and testimony for his glory and he'll do whatever it takes. And guess what? I signed up for it. 
Early, early on, God, whatever it takes. I didn't know what that meant. God, whatever it takes. And then one time, one of the songs was about pride or something. Maybe Chris said it. One time, man, everything we were doing was absolute. Are you kidding me? God is in this and God. You know, we tell people all the time, we have good ideas, we have great ideas, and you have God ideas. And you have to learn the difference. But we were... Everything we touched, if you want to call it the Midas touch, or in this case, the God touch, where it just basically turned to treasure, whatever we did. And then we started getting attacked. And, and, and I'll never do this stupid thing again. But I, as we started getting attacked, I said, is that all you got? Bring it. He did. <laughs> and I went down. God, I went down. Don't do that. Don't pray that prayer. But I would encourage you to pray, Lord, whatever you want to do in my life for me to be the man, the woman, the boy, the girl you want to be, do whatever it is you want me to do. But be ready for what he's going to do because he's, he loves you so much he'll break you because he wants you to know the power of the resurrection, but you can't get there without dying to self and learning to suffer appropriately. And then surrender and submission. Then he said to them all, Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves, take up their cross daily, die to self daily, follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me will save it. It's back to where's your treasure? Is it in him or is it in stuff? And we all decide. And sadly, along the way, it isn't uncommon for us to get caught up in worry and anxiety that often leads to fear and sometimes even to paranoia if we're not careful and allow God to have his way in our life. Now, here, here's my question for God this morning before this service. Lord, or Lord, are you willing to do in our lives all the things you want to do? How do you think God answered that prayer? He said, Yes. The question is, what are we willing to let him do in our lives? So here's how we're going to do this. We're going to close, I'm going to pray. We're going to close the service. And then if you're here and, and there's just something that you're saying, I'm just not quite there. And please let the pride go. God, let it, just let it be gone. And just come down here if you're, you're just saying there's something there. There's something I know God wants more. I've had a tendency toward anxiety or worry or fear or whatever. And, and I, just, I just want somebody to pray over me. So we're going to dismiss the service. But if, if that's you, come down here. We're not going to take a lot of time. But I'm just going to pray with you, pray for you. And let's see what God does. Because I know God is in this transformational business. And because he is... It's always about our willingness. And we've said this over the years. There's something about motion. And so just coming here and you're not, you know, other people going out the back doors or going to get their kids or go home or, or go get something to eat, whatever. And you're just going to take a few minutes to come down here and say, let's just take this time and let God do a work that he wants to do. So please stand as we pray. <clears throat> Heavenly Father, thank you today for life, life abundant and life eternal. And thank you that our life is in you, Father. Our life is in you. And we bow to you, and we praise you, and thank you that your truth, your truth 
is what sets us free. And so thank you now for doing that work of grace in each of us in Christ's name. Amen.